Hey everyone, it is Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival, and welcome to podcast episode number 302. Okay, so in case you weren't aware, June is PTSD Awareness Month, or Post Traumatic Stress Disorder. And while you may be aware of what PTSD is, in particular in how it's affecting our nation's combat veterans, you may not be aware of your role in helping to stop it and give a soldier back his or her life. So, whether you are an active duty soldier, a veteran, someone who has a family member or knows a veteran, or even if you're just a patriotic citizen who gives a damn about supporting our brave men and women of the armed forces, I ask that you please listen to this week's short podcast episode because there's actually a lot that you can do to literally save a life. And today, I'm going to point you in the right direction. It's all coming right up, so let's get started. Firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Hey there, welcome back everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor of Modern Combat and Survival magazine. And okay, 22 suicides a day. That's the figure that has not changed just yet about the number of veterans who have taken their lives as a result of post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, following combat, and depression that follows it as well, as well as another, a bunch of other factors that, that lead up to such a crisis that somebody will take their own life. Now, you've seen a lot of organizations spring up to help with this number and be able to get it down and be able to help veterans out there. There are a lot of organizations that have come up. The the Veterans Administration itself, of course, recognizes that this is a crisis and is doing everything that they possibly can in their own way about helping veterans who are struggling with depression and post-traumatic stress. And money is pouring into these VA programs in an ever-increasing federal budget program that continues to try and provide help for, for veterans. So, If this has been going on for now for, gosh, almost a couple of decades, why do we still have 22 suicides a day? I mean, with all of this money and all of these nonprofits and all these people trying to help out, why do we still have so many veterans that are killing themselves as a result of the stress and trauma that they've experienced during combat? Well, that's what today's broadcast is all about, because enough is enough. One death is too much. I'm sure that you also agree with that, but... The path to defeating combat-related PTSD for our veterans is largely debated, confused, misunderstood, and really approached in the wrong ways. And we have enough data now to be able to look at it. It's not like we had the solution right from the very beginning, but we've learned a lot over time what works and what doesn't work. And unfortunately, a lot of the old methods are still being pushed out there, and there's still a lot of problems in people being able to get help. Now, again, whether you are a veteran, whether you're just a civilian who cares about veterans or cares about our military. Um, this is an important podcast because one, it's a very personal thing for me. Um, having been a combat veteran, uh, am, am a combat veteran who's also struggled with PTSD and has approached it from a few different angles in the past. I've, um, uh, and as well as found solutions and started our own initiative about three, three or four years ago, we started Operation Save Our Soldiers, which was really just an informal, solution at the time to be able to bring awareness out there and try and find more research and development around helping soldiers with PTSD. Now our Operation Save Our Soldiers is truly a, it's a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, So I'm very excited about that. I'll talk a little bit more about that later on in the podcast, but this is something that is very near and dear to my heart. 
But again, let's get back to why do we still have these this many suicides with all of the help that apparently is out there in an increasing federal budget? Well, the really we we this really is a twofold approach. So there has to be some sort of a clinical approach to be able to help somebody with their PTSD, to help be able to help a veteran. So there needs to be a clinical therapy approach to it because we are talking about a, a mental health issue here. Okay. Whether you want to call it a disorder or not, it doesn't really, that, that's again, it's kind of getting in the weeds of, of nomenclature, right? But, but the problem is, is that this is a mental health issue that we, that we have. And PTSD comes from either experiencing or even just witnessing or being in the environment of traumatic episodes that happen, which are very common, obviously, in a combat environment here. Um, but that's, but clinical therapy is only one aspect of it. The other aspect of it we need, that we need is a community education and outreach, um, uh, approach to it, which includes support, support for the veterans themselves outside of the clinical therapy that they receive. Right? Now you can't have one without the other. You can't have a clinical, uh, a clinical approach to handling the, uh, the issue without having some sort of an education or outreach or a support, uh, support issue there as well. And there are problems with both of these in our current society. So from a clinical standpoint, all right, traditional therapy mostly does not work for combat-related PTSD. Now, traditional therapy, I talk about basically talk therapy. If you've ever been to a therapist before, um, whether it's for personal counseling or marriage counseling or anything like that. What do you, what is the approach there? The approach is for you to get in there and talk about your problems. Get them all out in the open. Get them all out on the table there so that they can be dealt with. The same approach has been taken for veterans who have suffered from combat-related PTSD. There might, there might have been an, um, an experience that they dealt with, all right? Um, it might have been a death of a, of a battle buddy of theirs, their best friend, somebody on their team. It could be an injury that they sustained. It could be from a traumatic brain injury. It could be um, from losing a limb. It, all of these things are, are emotionally traumatic for anybody that's out there. It doesn't matter. I mean, just, and these are, and just so you know, these are not weak people that suffer from these symptoms. These are things that everybody deals with being in that type of environment to one degree or another. And it does not take a weak person to be able to deal with it at any, at any level, whether that's a high level or a low level. Likewise, it doesn't take a strong person to be able to get through this without being touched by it. The things that we see in combat, the things that we experience, the, even the emotions of it, being separated from family members and knowing that they don't know what our status is, whether we're alive, whether we're dead, whether we're going to live or die that day. All of that emotional hornet's nest that's there, that's there on a continuous basis, has a way of picking away at the, uh, at the psyche that we use to be able to keep ourselves strong during these, during stressful times. But also it's the, the, in mental images and the emotional programming, the imprinting that happens on our psyche that stays with us, can stay with us for the rest of our lives. And that's what a lot of people are dealing with here. Then they come back from combat. Now, why doesn't the traditional therapy um, about getting, you know, talking about your problems really work? Well, one, if you've, tra- if you've experienced a traumatic event, you may not want to relive that. And that, that ends up with a lot of soldiers do not want to get any sort of counseling because 
They don't want to relive it. They don't want to talk about it. They want to forget it. They want it to all go away. The problem is, is that it's so buried deep in the, in the subconscious that it doesn't want to go away. It's not going to go away. One of the reasons why here um, that we've discovered over time is that this is a very mechanical process. So those memories, those emotions, they get imprinted in the brain in a way that it's a very mechanical aspect that where it's stored in the brain is one that is, is relived over and over and over again. It's like a recycle bin. So you can't, while we might want it to go in the trash bin, it just basically gets in the recycle bin and anything can really stimulate that. That's why a lot of soldiers don't do well, like in traffic, if they've been the victim of an improvised explosive, improvised explosive device along the roadway, vehicle gets uh, blown up. They've seen these sort of things being in traffic. There might have been an ambush. Uh, they might have been a, a uh, they might have been an urban population. Anything can happen there. And when you relive those similar types of experiences, even though they're not in a combat zone, they can trigger an emotional response there, one that you don't see coming. And I know this from experience. And I'll go through my experience here toward the end here about uh, about the the, um, the solution that I did find. All right. But one is soldiers don't want to relive those things. Um, another thing is there's the stigma of it. So and this is something that's programmed into soldiers during combat because you don't have when you, when bullets are flying, you don't have that luxury of being able to put your put your gear down and just run off to the doctor and go get help because it's a very stressful situation. You have to survive that that um, battlefield encounter. You're there to back up your your buddies, uh, your team, uh, your platoon, your 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 fellow soldiers are there. And so you've got to make sure that everybody gets out of their life. Everybody is there is there together. Okay, somebody's got to have your back. You've got to have their back. And so you don't you have to just basically cram down any stress or anything that's there. It's going to be crammed down into the recesses of your brain just to be able to get past that that event. And that event is usually not the problem that we all deal with as combat soldiers. That's the that's what we've been trained for. That's the type of training. Now, now it's again, it's very different for different people out there, but that's the sort of thing that's not as much of a problem as during during combat as it is experiencing it after combat, all the things that come with it afterwards and the effects that are, are experienced there in there. So like I said, you might you might actually lose somebody right in front of you. It could be your best friend right in front of you. Anything that happens in that in that situation is going to be imprinted in your brain. It's a it's a very mechanical process there. What you do with that, how you process that is something that is really an individual type thing. But it is a still a mechanical process. And with a mechanical process, just like your own engine, in your vehicle, there is a mechanical solution for it as well. All right. But ask but be, but the traditional talk therapy does not typically work. Another reason why it doesn't work for veterans who not only don't want to talk about it is having somebody there that actually knows what you're talking about. So trying to explain what combat is like to somebody that's never been in combat is an almost impossible task. You can explain it, but most people just get the the type of of Hollywood type scenes in their brain about the, about what combat is really like, which is nothing about what combat is really like. So trying to explain to somebody is really a futile attempt. Trying to do that with somebody that's trying to help you to be able to process those emotions and the, and the memories that you have, unless that therapist has been in combat or experienced that type of trauma, it's, it's really hard to get them to understand it. And so while they might be trying to give you advice, it's hard to take their advice because they do really, there's always, there's already this filter in front of you that says, well, this person has no idea what they're talking about. 
Therefore, their advice probably isn't going to make any sense to me and they kind of get shut down. So it's another reason why this clinical approach really does not work. The clinical therapy has to be trauma-based. It has to be based upon eliminating the trauma, the traumatic experience in the memory in a mechanical way that was experienced there by the soldier. Now, trauma-based therapy does have about a 53% success rate if that type of therapy is used with a veteran. Now, we have had pretty much a 100% success rate with the veterans that we've worked with in a unique type of therapy called rapid resolution therapy. All right, and I'll tell you more about this as we get as we get um, go toward more of what well, what people can do here. Okay, but anyway, that's the clinical approach, and those are the problems with the clinical approach. With the community approach, there are some problems there as well because people are generally unaware of the symptoms, so they don't know what to look for when it comes to helping out other people that are out there to be able to understand that hey, this is this could be a a, a soldier in crisis. Now, there's been a lot of, um, again, we've got a lot of data. We have a lot of experience with this now. And there are a lot more, there is a lot more awareness that's happening out there, which is a reason why we have, you know, June is uh, PTSD Awareness Month. But we're also finding that there are different people out there in the community that can be a huge help. So one example could be bartenders. Now, a lot of veterans that are coming back that are dealing with PTSD do turn to uh, recreational drugs, including alcohol and other drugs that are out there, to be able to just cope with the problems they're, they're experiencing. So there might be somebody that's going to a bar that they're a veteran. So bartenders are becoming more aware of the signs to look for that somebody might be a veteran in crisis near uh, maybe contemplating suicide. Some other surprising things that have popped up as far as community outreach is the use of dog shelters and giving them the training when it comes to um, uh, what to spot in a, potentially in a, a veteran in crisis. So why dog shelters? Well, because um, veterans who are, especially veterans with, um, well, veterans that do have a pet, especially if it's a pet that is part of a veterans assistance program, they become reliant on those, on those animals. They don't just want their animal to be left alone um, if they should commit suicide. And so what they're finding that veterans are doing is they're bringing their dog or their, their pet to a, a shelter to be able to find it a home, be able to drop it off to be adopted by somebody else. And so there is more of an intake process now at some shelters that have become more aware of this so that they can recognize that, hey, this might be a veteran that's reaching out for help or, or could use reach out for help. All right. Another place that they're looking for are, um, are looking at they're giving more information is with hotels that are out there, because what they're also finding is that a lot of veterans do not want to commit suicide in their home where a family member might be the one finding them. They don't want to they don't want to pass on that trauma to a family member finding them um, basically dead. All right. So what they'll do is they will go to a hotel or a motel and they'll commit suicide there. And that way, the hotel or the motel will be able to, they'll, they'll call EMS, they'll come out there, and that way a family member finds out without actually seeing their body or anything, all right? So there is a lot of community outreach out there with, uh, with more awareness of PTSD. But some more of the problems that are out there are that people, even that, ex that do notice a veteran that might be in crisis or struggling with PTSD, they don't want to inter interfere. Well, that's that person's business, and I don't want to mess with them, and I'm sure they don't want to talk about this stuff. And, you know, if they need help, they'll ask for it. 
Um, also, people don't know how to support somebody. So they might they might want to support. They might want to say something, but they don't know how, especially if a veteran themselves, the veteran themselves don't want to speak up. They don't want to talk about something. All right. Um, and again, this this is a stigma that is in veterans is programmed in during combat, but it also extends beyond service. Um, if if their people are in service, if they're active duty and they do raise their hand and say, hey, I'm suffering from PTSD, a lot of times they're taken off of. Um, they're, ta they're taken off of combat status, they're taken off of flight status, they aren't allowed to have a weapon, but it also means losing the money that goes along with some of those statuses as well. So it's, um, it's, a, it's a very big problem with being able to even raise their hand and be able to get help that's there, okay? Okay. Um, and the other thing with veterans that's a, big, that's a big problem is they just don't believe that anything out there will, will work. And this is really the biggest obstacle that I've come across with helping veterans as well, with our warrior retreats. And that is that they've gone through the VA system. They are typically on a disability of some kind from their PTSD. Um, they've been prescribed anti-anxiety medication, antidepressants. They may be using recreational drugs, as I said. Um, they've been through the therapy. They've, they've done everything that they've, they can think of and nothing, and, and the problems are still there. And so what ends up happening is they just feel like, you know what, there's really nothing out there. There's no cure out there. And therefore, you know, I've tried everything else. There's nothing that's really going to work. All right. Listen, you must understand that helping veterans rebuild their lives is not just a VA thing. In fact, as we found, and I personally found myself, the VA is backlogged as it is. And they're using outdated methods largely that don't work. Now, they're trying to find new things, but largely they're stuck in a very bureaucratic system that takes forever to get anything done. And um, and soldiers are out there just kind of and they, they kind of lose faith that they're going to get the help that they need out there. It really does take a community approach to end this. So today what I want to do is I want to give you some tips, no matter who you are, for what you can do to help. All right. So if you are a veteran, first of all, who is struggling with PTSD, then I recommend that you do, one, get help, all right? You've got to reach out to somebody. So if you are a veteran in crisis, if you are contemplating committing suicide, call the suicide prevention hotline. There is a, um, if you press number one on there, it is for military member, uh, military veterans specifically. So you're not going to be talking just to a general person who is there for suicide. You're going to be speaking with a specially trained military uh, or, or veteran suicide expert that you'll be able to talk to there. So it's a better resource than just trying to, you know, just trying to call 911 or anything like that. So the suicide prevention hotline, um, which is on our donation page for Operation Save Our Soldiers. So if you went to Operation Save Our Soldiers, uh, org in the, um, in the notes that are in there, there should be a note there for the suicide prevention hotline. But if you are in crisis, please call no matter what, 911 or suicide prevention hotline. Hit one for the for the veteran uh, veteran line there. Uh, but you've got to reach out to somebody, okay? So if it's not that, reach out to an old battle buddy. Um, stay in touch with the veterans that you um, that you were stationed with. Um, maybe it's somebody that can help you. Maybe it's somebody that you can come to help with them. Now, this is oftentimes a, a real big hurdle for a lot of veterans because they don't want to even see another veteran. They don't want to see anybody in uniform. It can, that alone can trigger the PTSD. Um, but if you have friends or family, it could be family members, it can be clergy, anybody, you've got to reach out and talk to somebody about it and just let them know. Just be able to raise your hand and say, hey, I'm struggling here. All right. 
The big thing here for you to know, though, is that there is good help available out there. So even if you think that you've tried everything, trust me, you haven't. As I said, this is the number one hurdle that I have to get past with most veterans that, that I end up talking to is because typically they'll say, I've done everything, nothing helps, all I can do is just manage my symptoms the best I can. And that's oftentimes a losing proposition. There are different types of therapy that are out there. Um, one that I'll talk about here very, very, uh, very soon. But just know that there is something that you can do. Now, if you don't have anybody else to reach out to, if there's nobody to talk to or anything, go ahead and email me at donate at opsos.us. And that stands for Operation to Save Our Soldiers. But our email there is donate at opsos, so opsos, dot us. Okay. So if you email that, that will go through to our, um, to our inbox there and somebody will be able to forward you on to the people that we work with personally at, at Operations Ever Soldiers with a unique type of therapy that we, we've partnered up with for our warrior retreats. Okay. Um, so now let me talk about the vet who isn't, who doesn't feel like they're struggling with PTSD. Um, it feels like they've got it all in check. Reach out to your buddies. I mean, if, if you were to ask, I, I know if you've been, ever been in combat, I can pretty much tell you that if you were out there in the battlefield and you saw that one of your one of your friends or one of your soldiers or one of no matter somebody that you're serving with out there, you're fighting with is pinned down in an ambush. You're going to do everything you can. You're not just going to walk away from that and say, well, there's nothing I can really do. I guess they're going to have to figure it out. Of course, you would jump in there and of course you would have their back. Right. Well, the same thing goes when it comes to the mental battlefield that we have after combat. So you need to reach out and, and just, and, and just see if someone needs your help. A lot of times that can be harder because that then jumping in there and, and helping out with our training, um, in a physical way, like out on the battlefield. So this is a, a tougher thing to do, but because it's easier for veterans to talk to other veterans, it's a it's a powerful thing that you can do to be able to help somebody out there. Okay, so make sure that you reach out to somebody, and again, make sure that they understand the resources that are out there available to them. Okay, if you are a civilian who knows a veteran, um, who knows the signs, um, well, one is know what the signs are. Okay, so if you have, if you know of a veteran and they are suffering from what looks like alcohol or drug abuse. Um, if you see that they're having family problems or money problems, um, if they're avoiding contact with the public, um, avoiding contact with their family members, if you're if you have a family member that was a veteran and they they they've withdrawn more, uh, those are all signs negativity, like a negative disposition on life. Um, Hyper arousal or being uh, being on guard all the time is a very common thing as well. Irritability is something if you if you um, notice that. Um, if, again, going back to the whole shelter thing, if you, uh, if you've got, if you know a veteran that is looking for somebody to watch their dog, um, or watch their pet, or, or, or adopt their pet, that's another warning sign there. So these are some things that are, aren't, aren't always easy to find, or aren't always easy to see or recognize, but they are ones that are out there that are true potential problems that are out there, okay? So if you are a civilian who knows a veteran, first know the signs and be able to listen to them. Just because you weren't in combat or anything doesn't mean that you, um, if somebody's willing to talk, 
Just be there to listen. Don't try and solve their problems necessarily, but let, again, let them know that there are resources out there and be an advocate for them, you know, that you'll help to find resources for them. You'll be able to help them, you know, be able to take them on and be able to be, just be a friend that's, uh, that's there. With our, um, with our New World Patriot Alliance, um, I, I have open office hours, um, every Friday for, um, for coaching, one-on-one coaching with members of our, of our program. And there are some people that call up there, their fellow veterans who are struggling with PTSD. And sometimes that's all they want is just to call up and just talk with me. And, and that's fine. Like that doesn't have to be about training or anything like that. Like we just, we just talk. They just need somebody to talk to. So be there as an advocate for them as well. All right. Now, if you are just someone who cares, maybe you don't know of a veteran or you know somebody that is struggling with PTSD, but you're just somebody who considers yourself a patriotic veteran, a patriotic person who, who cares about our military and wants to see this crisis end. Well, there is stuff that you can do. I mean, you can, again, become more aware of it so that you can spot. Maybe there is somebody that you, you don't realize is struggling with it. Um, but if you know the signs, then you can you can recognize that they are struggling. All right. Um, you can volunteer your time to be able to work with veterans who are out there. There are a lot of different programs that are out there, a lot of local programs that are out there. And you can absolutely um, help out in that situation as well. You don't need to be a veteran or anything like that or, or have anybody in your family that's a veteran. Um, it just it could just be somebody that cares about our military. All right. Now, the other thing that you can do is just donate to a worthwhile cause. There are a lot of them out there that do um, help veterans that are struggling with PTSD. Um, again, I told you that we do have our own. Um, I, I, I started Operation Save Our Soldiers as a it is a nonprofit. Your donations are tax deductible and every little bit counts. Just a five dollar donation helps to sub, uh, sponsor soldiers to go to our warrior retreats. Now, if you haven't heard about them before, our warrior retreats are something that we teamed up with another nonprofit, Operation Warrior Resolution, um, out of Florida, where we are um, we are helping them to sponsor soldiers to go to our warrior retreats, which are basically a collection of holistic self-help type uh, programs that are there to be able to help soldiers better manage their own symptoms through a more holistic approach, not using drugs, not using um of the traditional therapies, but things that will help them truly on a daily basis, be able to keep their, their self in check. For example, we have somebody that comes in that is a holistic uh, nutritional health coach. Um, to give you an example of how this really approaches, I mean, a lot of people, especially in the military, um, gain a lot of weight after they get out of the military. All right. Um, and the traditional type American diet that's out there is not a very healthy diet that's out there. Okay. And did you realize that, I mean, serotonin is a, it's a chemical in our brain, so it is a, it's a hormone there that it's considered our feel good hormone, right? So serotonin, um, is kind of that feel good, uh, hormone. And if you, if you've ever taken anti-anxiety or I'm sorry, antidepressants out there, they're meant to be able to help with the, um, the intake of, of serotonin in the brain to be able to, to overcome the depression and negative, negative emotions. Well, most people don't realize that um, the vast majority, like 90, 90% of your of the serotonin is actually manufactured in your gut. And the traditional American diet destroys serotonin in the gut, especially things like artificial sweeteners and things like that. So a more holistic approach to your to even just your nutrition can increase the the um, 
those feel-good chemicals that are floating around in your brain. So it makes you feel better, makes you feel happier. So there's a lot of things that people are doing to themselves that are destroying these types of things that they can do to support themselves, okay? So things like serotonin levels. So we do a lot of things like that. We show people self-care that's very easy to do, and we show them the effects of it right away. So immediately they're getting results for the symptoms of the PTSD. But the final culmination of the retreat that we do is a unique type of therapy that's called rapid resolution therapy. And this type of therapy is a very mechanical process that helps us to take the emotions and the memories that are lodged in the recycle bin in the brain and put them over into the trash bin of the brain. So these memories don't go away. They're still, they're still memories. It's not like they're a good memory. There's still a memory that's there, but they don't have the emotional trigger and response. Now, this is something I personally dealt with um, actually at the first retreat that I went to just be able to help out. I've told this story before in other episodes um, and in videos out on our Facebook page, um, but I experienced this myself. I also experienced the solution myself because we are literally, for lack of a better term, curing. We were able to cure the symptoms of PTSD in as little as one two-hour training or, um, therapy session using the rapid resolution therapy. And the best part is, is that soldiers don't even have to relive those experiences that they, they, don't, they don't need to talk about them with a therapist or anything. All right. So it takes away those those negative limitations that keep soldiers from getting the most out of the therapy. It is trauma based therapy, but it's taking the mechanical process of trauma imprinting in the brain and it's using mechanical reengineering of it to be able to put that in the right part of the brain where we can deal with it, where it's not creating those emotional triggers. And what we end up finding is that soldiers are able to go back and get a good night's sleep. They don't have the nightmares that they have. They don't have the insomnia. They're able to, they're able to get off of all of the medications they're on, the antidepressants that they're on, the recreational drugs they might be doing. They can better deal with stress. They're able to hold down a job better. They get better uh, quality of life with their families. Kids are getting their mother or their father back. The spouse is getting their husband or their wife back. This is truly like miraculous type approach that we've we've discovered here. Um, and if you want to learn more about it, so there is an episode of a docuseries that a friend of mine, actually the therapist that helped me, who's also a combat veteran from Iraq, um, helped me to see. Now, he did a, a special docuseries on Operation Warrior Resolution and the Rapid Resolution Therapy. Now, you can find that at um, a special website that I put up here that has the video on there as well as a donation link there. And again, every little bit helps there. So if you want to watch this video, it goes in depth into what we are doing at our warrior retreats and that we're supporting. And what we do is we sponsor soldiers. Soldiers don't pay a single dime to be able to go there. If you want to go check out the docuseries, all you have to do is go to www.mcsmagazine.com slash OWR. And all lowercase, uh, just OWR. And that'll take you over to where you can watch this docuseries and get an in-depth look um, of, of our warrior retreats and, and the miraculous help that we're being able, being able to offer to veterans there. So it, if, you don't have, if you don't have the time or the ability to be able to get involved with charity, uh, local charity yourself, um, the very least you can do really to be able to get, just help people out is to help us sponsor a new veteran to be able to get in there into one of our warrior retreats. Now, the next one we have coming up is in September. The last time we did a fun drive for this a few weeks ago, we were able to um, get almost enough to sponsor one soldier to be able to uh, have all expenses paid 
to be able to go to the retreat. Now, again, this covers them. It covers their room, their board, their travel. It covers everything for the veteran. They don't pay anything for the therapy or any of the help that they get there whatsoever. We also have a support group in place after they get out of the retreat um, to be able to be able to get support from other veterans or other people that have been through our retreat. So we do have a private page that we are able to go to, be able to interact there and get help and be there for one another. All right. So, again, if you want to go check that out, it's at mcsmagazine.com slash OWR, and it'll take you over to watch that, be able to watch that video and also leave a donation there to be able to help sponsor a soldier there as well. All right. So this should give you um, some really important tips of ways that you can really make a difference out there. And we can end this plague of veteran suicide and really end combat related PTSD for our, our fellow veterans. All right. All right. So now, though, it does take action. So community action, individual action. So please go and do your part and support our men and women of our armed forces. All right. And until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. <laughs>